Let us pray this morning along with someone who'd rather not be named. Dear God, it rained for our whole vacation. And boy, is my father mad. He said some things about you that people are not supposed to say, but I hope you will not hurt him anyway. Your friend, but I'm not going to tell you who I am. Well, honestly, I really don't know what I was thinking. Organizing a worship series about the advice that we give children and pairing it with parables from the Gospel of Matthew. It's been a good Sunday so far. I don't even like football, but I like seeing you in your team colors. Tim and Lori's song was fun. I almost teared up when it began. I wanted to just bust out my best Kermit the Frog voice and sing along. It's been good. But then Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, stands up and tells this story. A story that, well, if we were compiling the Bible today, we'd probably just accidentally drop on the floor and leave out altogether. I'd forgotten how dark and curmudgeonly Matthew could be. Where I come from, we call preachers like this hell, fire, and brimstone preachers. Matthew's gospel is this way. He'll be telling a normal story, and then all of a sudden someone's cut into pieces and thrown into darkness or a pit. Well, in the upcoming weeks of the Are You Kidding series, we will have themes like be nice, be kind, say nice things, mind your manners. All lessons that this parable we just read violate, not just, not, they don't just violate it, they, this parable steps on these lessons. There's nothing kind about this story. What is going on here? The sermon is entitled Play Fair, but there's nothing fair in this parable. The scene is a party, but don't expect a good time. Matthew's party thrower is a king throwing a wedding reception for his son. Innocent enough, but the invited guests, well, they don't want to come. They don't even have the decency to make up lame excuses. Instead, they just mock the king. And, well, because this is Matthew's gospel, they beat the king's messenger to death. And, by the way, this isn't just a messenger. The gospel tells us it's a slave because this king can't even get people to work for him. He must force them. What kind of a despicable king do you have to be to not even earn the courtesy of a pitiful excuse when turned down by your subjects? How hated is this guy that they so abhor the idea of dining with him that they kill the ones who deliver the invitation? And when the king hears about it, of course, he goes berserk. No one can disrespect me like this, he says. And he stomps and he fumes. He puts the prime rib and the scalloped potatoes on warming lights and then sends his entire army to these formerly invited guests, now murderers, to kill them back. And well, for good measure, because, well, this is Matthew's gospel. He burns down their towns, which doesn't make any sense because he's the king of those towns that he just burnt. But this parable, well, this parable isn't about making sense. The king goes out and invites ordinary people. We're told good and bad. These are workers from the street, people who would not normally get an invitation from the king, blue collar workers just getting off from the day, probably some homeless folks from the nursing home, anyone who will show up And they come because, well, they may not like the king, but it sounds like a good party. It's a win-win. They get a party, and the king gets to save face by having a full wedding reception. Of course, it's all sort of made up, isn't it? No one really wants to be there. He doesn't even know these guests. But just when the king's fragile ego is beginning to feel better, there's one more turn to this story. 
As the king is walking around the party, well, probably stumbling at this point because he's certainly drunk with his own ego, he sees one guy who's not in party clothes. One guy who just got off a 12-hour shift when this slave of the king comes and invites him to this party. He's never even been to a big party, let alone a king's wedding reception before. How's he supposed to know what to wear? The king sees him and once again goes berserk. Friend, he says, which I'm sorry, Bible translators, but that is not what he said. Friend, no, more like punk, loser, some word I can't say from the pulpit. Who do you think you are? And how did you get into my party without a wedding robe? The guest is speechless. The guest is terrified, painfully embarrassed in front of all these people. Guards, the king yells, this man, tie him up like a hog and throw him out of here, out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Are you kidding? Nothing about the story is fair. Now we tell our kids, play fair, even, well, usually, even when they're playing for our favorite college team, play fair. We say, make sure you invite everyone to your party. Give everyone a turn. Follow the rules. Include everyone. But then we read stories like this in church. And, well, we don't know what to do with this story. Because it's not fair to invite someone off the street, someone who doesn't know proper protocol, the rules of the game, and then ask them to play fair if they don't even know the rules. And then throw them out of the darkness when they're unprepared. What do you expect? And let's just name this unspoken question out loud. Is this parable suggesting that God is like this king? Does God treat us like this? Well, some would say so. You better be prepared. Make sure you got on all the right clothes, the right beliefs, the right baptism, the right whatever, or else God's going to throw you out into the outer darkness. Have you heard that sermon before? But whoever said this king was God? Matthew sure doesn't. Not even the hellfire brimstone Matthew takes that leap. The king, well, the king can't be God. God's not this capricious. What is going on? Now, we may have forgotten at this point in the parable that, well, this is the gospel. The gospel according to Matthew, which means it's supposed to be good news. And I'm determined to not leave this parable today till we find some good news in it. But good news, though it may be good, still has a way of jarring us, doesn't it? And parables, especially one like this, have a way of waking us up, of opening our eyes to the world, to ourselves, and to God. Parables are intended to surprise and to expose, expose, exposure. That's what's happening in the story, I think. That's why the king reacts the way he does, as prideful monarchs do, he's been exposed and his ego is hurt. First, by his subjects who have no respect for him. How could they treat him this way? And so he goes on a terror raid of their towns. He acts tough, but he's surely lonely and broken inside. He can't even throw a successful party for his son's wedding. Can you imagine the darkness in his soul? And then, well, when he finally finds enough strangers to look the part, this one guy risks exposing the whole thing as a sham because he's not dressed right. And then this wedding guest, well, he's not prepared for the situation he's been thrown into. And he has the same 
Fear too, doesn't he? Exposure. Being exposed as the imposter that he is. Because he knows the truth. He doesn't belong at this party. He has no clue which fork to use, where to stand, and what exactly is that food on that big tray. He's way out of his league. I get it. It's how I feel at a football game. That's why I wear Be Kind shirt on Cyhawk Sunday. I haven't a clue. Thankfully, you don't embarrass me. Well, Mary Jo kind of did. Travi. That's what my mom called me. But then, well then, right, right in front of everyone, the king exposes this guest right in front of everyone. Maybe he knew some of them. Maybe he had just gotten off work with some of them. But the king exposes this guest as the imposter he is. You don't have on the right clothes. You're not in the wedding robe. That, well, that's not the proper team shirt. Get out of here. Ever throw a party and wonder if anyone would show up? Ever go to school or work on Monday and hear about that great party on Friday that everyone went to but you? Ever show up to the costume party and wonder just for a moment before you walk in the door if you're the only one who will be in a costume? Ever get on stage and then just forget your lines that you knew by heart a moment ago? Ever work at a job for years and then get belittled by a boss half your age? Ever give up before you even try because, well, you're probably going to fail anyway, so why bother? It's like we're on the playground again. The last one picked and the first one left out. We grow up, but it's hard to grow out of that feeling of inadequacy. We tell our kids to play fair, but, well, the world is not fair. And broken people go around breaking people all the time. Well, the story, I think this story is good news today. Because it's about exposure. It exposes things for how they really are. It exposes us for how we really are, which sounds painful and bad news. But let's be honest. Do we really want things to be fair? If they were fair, would we have been invited at all? We don't deserve the things we have. And if if others knew who we really were under all that we hide behind, well, would they even speak to us? Go ahead and throw us into the outer darkness because, well, that's where we really belong. But something happens once we're exposed as an angry king, as an unprepared guest, as an inadequate parent, a bad friend, an inadequate Christian, an unprepared student, a fool, a fake. That's when we realize who we really are. And once exposed, we can step into the light. No more pretenses, no more games, and we can be who we really are in all our broken inadequacies. Yeah, we don't deserve to be here, but you know what? No one else does either. Now, I'm still not sure I like this parable, but now, well, it's maybe for other reasons, because if we're reading the story right, and yeah, we could have it all wrong, But if we're reading it right, if God's kingdom is not the kind of kingdom where unprepared guests get thrown out into the darkness, then it doesn't matter if you're prepared or not, does it? Or if you're wearing the right clothes or if you've forgotten your clothes altogether. If you've earned your place or gotten in there by sheer luck. Now, is that fair? Is that how God plays things? It's not fair. But I don't remember ever reading in the gospel that God was fair. Because all of us, we're all imposters, none of us belong, and since we're all imposters, there's no need to keep the charade up any longer. 
Instead of finding that one guy without a wedding robe, let's just all take off our wedding robes and stop hiding and be ourselves. Instead of throwing people into the outer darkness, let's, well, let's go out into it and let's pull back into the party those who've already been thrown out by angry kings, angry pastors, angry wannabe gods. Maybe, maybe this parable is good news after all because God's not the angry king. How could he be? And you and I, well, we don't have to fake it any longer because God's throwing a party. And it may not be fair at all that everyone's invited, good or bad, whether they deserve to be or not. And so on the field, yeah, play fair. But thanks be to God that in the kingdom of God, when it comes to throwing a party, God breaks every rule, making sure the party's always full and everyone is welcomed and loved. Thanks be to God. Amen. And as our song to prepare us for the communion table 683, you've probably never sung it before, but you know the tune. The tune is, oh, 4,000 tongues to sing. Mm-hmm.